I really, really hope you woke up this morning expecting to see lots of really cool baseball news. I'm making the grave mistake of recording a podcast before I go to sleep because baseball news is coming at us fast and furious. It's another Locked On crossover with Miller Thomas and your pal Sully. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB Crossover with Locked On Diamondbacks. This is our Monday show, which I always bring on my pal Miller Thomas, the host of Locked On Diamondbacks, to discuss what's been going on in baseball. I'm your friend, your pal, your host, Paul Mm. Francis Sullivan. Please, I'm begging you, call me Sully. Thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen, unless Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen. Then the other one should be your second listen. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. I'm just trying to tell you you'll be happier if you did. Uh, you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. If you look here, right down there, you see that I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Miller, where people, can people follow you? At Creator Thomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Lockdown Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram in the search handle. Well, guess what it is? Today is one of the only two days in the year where the day will equal the night. Oh. Welcome to the Vernal Equinox. It's the 23rd. First day of March 2022, or as we said in New England, the 21st day of match. And it's spring. And because the dumb lockout is over, games are, uh, what, two weeks away? Well, what was yeah, it, two or three? Something yeah, crazy? April 7th, I think. Is, April 7th. I think April 7th. So a little less than three weeks away, we are going to be having Major League Baseball games. And... How cool is that? How cool is that? I mean, it's no, great. I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to see some spring training action right now. I mean, I wouldn't say I was starving for baseball because, I mean, it's like realistically, we've only missed like what a week or two of actual baseball if it started on right. time. So, in reality, it's not like we were missing. It's not like we're that far off the normal schedule. But it's still nice to see after a lockout, after all these months of threats that the season might be canceled. Actually, it's kind of nice to actually see some baseball going on right now. I think that for me is it as well, because there's no way you can get me excited about a baseball game results during spring training, especially when you consider after the fifth or sixth inning, they're basically bringing in guys who are number 93 and they're just, it's an audition. So, I mean, I was on the show uh, Baseball PhD over the weekend and I, I, and I said, uh, basically, if you gamble on a spring training game, go to a meeting. You have a problem. You have a problem. (laughs) They're not trying to win. You know, they're trying, they're, they're working stuff out at that point. But as for your point, because we, you know, we really thought we were on the verge of a, a prolonged lockout. And we really thought we were at a situation where, my God, are we even going to have baseball? Having lame spring training baseball is just a reminder of, oh, we're going to have it. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Hey, Miller, before we get into this, you know, breaking down everything show, I did have a couple of people wanting to okay. have a just 
Yeah. You're the host of Locked on Diamondbacks. What's your baseball fandom uh, background? Like, who did you grow up rooting for? Where did you grow up rooting for them? And 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 how did you wind up getting uh, here in Locked on MLB crossovers? Yeah, sadly, uh, I feel like I have to expose myself. I didn't grow up a D-backs fan. I, you know, moved out here for Arizona State University for my education Started liking the D-backs then. I saw the opportunity to come on as a lockdown host. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to cover the local team. And I'm going to have fun doing it. But I grew up on the East Coast, grew up in New Jersey, kind of wanted to be a contrarian. Everyone was like a Yankees fan. I just absolutely hated the Yankees. So I gravitated toward the rival team, the Boston Red Sox. So growing up in New Jersey, I actually grew up a Red Sox fan. And you could call me a bandwagon if you want. I don't really care. Big Poppy was like my favorite player growing up. So even though I do like on Dimebacks, the Red Sox are probably my first team in my heart, but I do like the D-backs a lot now. I mean, I've been covering them for the last couple of years. Uh, they've they've uh, treated me really well. So even though I grew up a Red Sox fan, I would say the D-backs are probably my second favorite team, at least right now. Well, anyone who follows the Dimebacks can't by any definition be called a bandwagon fan. So let's everyone get let's get down brass tacks there. And also what you're describing is oddly – not that different from what I know a lot of people who are Red Sox fans and say, oh, did you grow up in New England? I said, no, but I wound up going to school in Boston and I wound up adopting the Red Sox. Sometimes you, that happens when you go to a place and you're a little older in your fandom and you adopt a team or you, you, you're trying to adhere to your new region. Uh, that makes all the sense of the world. And, and, you know, I mean, I've been loving your show, and I and you were very knowledgeable on the D backs. I just had more than one person ask, like, "Hey, what's his? What's what's this guy about? What's this guy about?" Now, look at I don't. You're a very mysterious man. Yeah. Okay. You're a man of mystery. You know, so I, I can't pretend that uh, I've unpacked everything about you, but uh, no, I just uh, one. So people who don't follow you, uh, or who are beginning to follow you. Uh, know a little bit what you're all about there, but uh, of yeah, the current I didn't, diamond, such, uh, I didn't know there was such a level of intrigue of my personal life. This is very interesting. interesting. This is the, we're living in the this is the Millard Millennium we're living in right oh, now. Wow. Who, who's your favorite uh, Diamondback of the last bunch of years? I mean, of the last bunch of years, I mean, if you're just looking at the last few, it's probably Ketel Marte. I'd probably yeah. say underrated D-back that I like right now is probably Josh Rojas. He's just mm -hmm. someone that has a swagger to him that I like on the field, but it's probably Ketel. I, I also love Zach Allen. I mean, he hasn't been on the team too long, but I like guys who are talented, and he's one of the few that we have. You know, it's funny. You know, the D-backs, when you look at their history, they haven't had that they're, they're down years, and they've had down years. There's no getting around it. Oh, for sure. But their periods of downtime aren't as extended as some others. I mean, you consider out of the gate, their second year, they're in the playoffs. Their fourth year, they're in, they win the World Series. Then they make the playoffs again. Then they have some down years. Then they're back in the NLCS in 2007. They have a few down years, and they're back in the playoffs in 2011. Then they have a few down years, and then they're back in the playoffs in 2017. I mean, like, there's – there are some teams, especially when you take a look at, like, you know, how many years, like, the Mariners haven't been in the playoffs or how seldom the Angels are in the playoffs or how seldom the Pirates or the Orioles are in the playoffs, that you look at the D-backs, and uh, if you're a Diamondback fan, you may not always have a great team, but you don't have to wait that long for reasons to show up to – 
I keep wanting to call it the Bob I'm, to show up at the what is it? Is it Chase? Chase? Field? It's Chase. Chase. All right, I, yeah. I I still call it the Bob. It's based upon uh, you know the first year there, the first few years they were there. But it is a strange franchise. I had on um, uh, uh, Phil Hecken and Todd Radom. Uh, I think the next Diamondbacks, the next great Diamondbacks uniform, will be the first great Diamondbacks uniform. <laughs> okay. But I like their alternate makes... units from this past season, the Serpientes. Okay, here's what I want them to do. Because for a franchise that's only been around since the 1998 season, they've already had 78 different uniform combinations. A lot of rebrands. Okay. They've had, they've had at least seven. They've had at least seven. They've had the ones where it says Diamondbacks, the one with the purple, the mm-hmm. one with the D, the one with the snake, the one that yeah. says D-backs. There's They're a lot of variation. Like, there's LD one backs, Los D backs, Los D backs. The black one, which my favorite one was the black one with the A. I thought I call those the Justin okay. Upton specials. I think that was the best looking one. The little T. Yeah. Then you have the the one where it looks like it's kind of like fading in. It looks like you're you're being energized up to the the Starship Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. Like right now, I th- that's off the top of my head. That's six uniforms I just rattled off. Here's what I want them to do, and you have some you have some pull because you work for the Coyotes. All okay, right? I don't know how those are connected, but you know that they're all hey. they're all Colangelo teams. I'm a designer, um, so I got a little weight, I guess. Have one be the Sunday jersey, the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday, the Friday, the Saturday. Seven jerseys, one for each day of the week. Come on, and that way you look at a clip and say, "Oh, wait, that's a Tuesday game." Oh, that's a two. It's easier to kind of figure out when games were. They have enough. If you're gonna, if you're not going to give me quality, give me quantity. When when I was younger, the first team I saw win the World Series were the Pittsburgh Pirates, and it seemed like every day they had a black top. They have a black top, a yellow top, and one with wide stripes. And same for their for their bottoms. And I'm convinced they had two big spinners, and they they spin one, they spin the other, whichever one. That's the combination they're coming out in. And then they had a black hat and a yellow hat. There was no rhyme or reason to their uniforms, ever. Black top, striped bottom, striped top, black bottom, yellow top, black top. It was, like, it was crazy. I want the Diamondbacks to embrace that. Yeah, give me I, craziness. I wouldn't mind it. I mean, it's not something we see a ton in sports, but a few years ago, the Lakers kind of did that because whenever it was a Sunday, they always wore their white jersey. So whenever you knew it was a Sunday Lakers game, they were always going to be in their white uni. So I, I wouldn't mind if other pro teams adopted that. You know, if the D-backs yeah. did that, it would be interesting. It would be yeah. fun. It would be a cool little wrinkle. Why not? It, it, a cool wrinkle on their, on, their, on their shirts. And look, at it would be a surefire bet that those uniforms would fly off the shelves because they got so many different combinations. If you're going to make any bets, go to Bet Online. It's that type of year again, that time of the year, and the type of the year. I'm not even going to edit that out. As college basketball tournament is finally upon us, from the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. Bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting, your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device 
to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online is where the game starts. And hey, let's talk a little bit about MLB prospects. More importantly, Locked On MLB Prospects. Your first listen is Locked On MLB. Your second listen, my buddy Miller over there with Locked On Diamondbacks. What about your third listen? Have it be Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by Lindsey Crosby, friend of the podcast. He is a prospect encyclopedia, and he is going deep into the MLB stars of tomorrow and how many of them have been acquired by Oakland in the last two weeks. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's. Okay, we've gotten to know you enough of that. Let's get down to brass yeah. tacks. It has been a jam-packed weekend. Um, we talked about uh, the the show I dropped on Saturday. Talked about the stunning Carlos Correa signing, which nobody saw coming nobody. in Minnesota. Uh, a couple other things have happened, including Trevor Story, the last name on the board got taken off by the Red Sox. Again, I had heard rumblings about the Red Sox. I didn't think it was going to happen because I thought he had a clear position. There was a clear position need in Houston uh, and also possibly in Anaheim and possibly in St. Louis. I just didn't see it happening with uh, Boston. Uh, a couple other things, and we're going we're gonna to cover some of these. In, in um, The Angels sign... Uh, to para is they're trying desperately to make their bullpen better, if not their rotation. And World Series MVP Jorge Soler has joined the likes of Ray Knight, Jack Morris, John Wetland, Hideki Matsui, and Edgar Renteria as reigning World Series MVPs who are going to begin the next season on a different team. Uh, the what? Philadelphia Phillies signed Kyle Schwarber. And Castellanos, so they are making their team the most fun beer league softball team. If they're not going to win the division, they're at least going to lose each game 10 to 9. And the Braves found a way to deal with a fan base who's still scratching their heads over the whole Freddie Freeman thing, and that is they're learning what St. Louis and Boston learned a while ago which is the best way to mollify a mad fan base is to win. And they have fortified their bullpen, brought back Rosario, signed Olsen, and the Braves, especially if Acuna is healthy and they get Soraka back, look better than the team that won the World Series. How do you lose Freddie Freeman and get better? You sign everyone that's not nailed down. Okay, that's a quick review of what has been happening. Millard, what are some of your thoughts of some of these big moves, and including the signings of um, uh, Correa and Story, which I covered in previous episodes? Yeah, I think I'll start with Trevor Story because I woke up to that news this morning. The Red (laughs) Sox were definitely rumored, but it wasn't something I thought was going to happen just because the attitude with this new Shane Bloom, or however you pronounce his name, to the Red Sox, the dude from Tampa Bay. Heim, Heim Bloom? Yep. Yeah, Heim yeah. Bloom. Okay, yeah. However you pronounce his name, he the he hasn't been seen. He hasn't been too keen on spending money so far in free agency. The philosophy of the Rays is never go out there and spend a bag on a free agent. And I think he's kind of brought that mentality to the Red Sox because if you look at some of these quotes coming out of spring training from the Red Sox players, they all seem like 
what's going on here? We want to add some bats to this locker room. We want to add some pitchers to the staff. Like Christian Vasquez had a quote about how the team wants to add players to that locker room and how they're welcome to doing it. So the Red Sox were in the mix for Trevor Story, but it never felt like it was truly going to happen because either the money or just because of redundancy in their lineup. Like you got Bogart at shortstop. They have a clear need at second base, but it, it, it felt like it was going to be a weird fit with Bogarts and Trevor Story up the middle. It felt like someone was going to have to sacrifice and just felt like there were better fits elsewhere with maybe the Yankees or some of the other teams you lined out. Me too. So, yeah. yeah, so to see the Red Sox actually pony up the money for Trevor Story, I think this is a great move for the Red Sox. Of course, I don't think they needed to add to their lineup. I thought their offense was going to be fine either way. They desperately need more pitchers. I mean, Chris Sale is going to miss maybe the first couple of weeks of the season. Nate Evaldi's back to being the number one. But to add Trevor Story to that team, he's a legit superstar, or at least a star player. I don't think the money's too crazy either. Six years, 140. I think he gets to opt out after the fourth year of the deal. And also... He's just insurance for Xander Bogarts in case he leaves in free agency next year. I think that's the main point of this deal. He's insurance for Xander Bogarts in case anything happens. But at least for one season, you can see how the two play. Trevor Story is a really good defensive player, so I think he should translate over to second base. He's going to add some speed to that lineup, too. They still need to go out there and get another pitcher, like I said. But overall, you keep Trevor Story away from the Yankees, and you add him to already really deep lineup i like the trevor story move even though they probably had bigger needs elsewhere on their team mm-hmm. uh what do you think about the moves that uh the phillies made by bringing in schwarber and castellanos to their team that finally for the first time in a decade put a winning product on the field they they hadn't even they haven't played a season above 500 until last year when they were a whopping 82 and 80 uh wow what a what a great winning season they had last year um so you're gonna have schwarber and castellanos joining the uh the seguras and the bryce specifically the the bryce harpers of the world uh they're gonna score a ton of runs not sure how they're gonna do in that division but they're gonna score a ton of runs that's for sure Yeah, I'm pro adding talent and then figuring out the rest later. So Mm -hmm. I'm pro what the Phillies did just because they added two legit bats in Cassianos and Kyle Schwarber. Now, they do have an issue in their lineup. There's some redundancy issues. There's going to be a lot of power, but there's also going to be probably a lot of strikeouts in that lineup too. So I think down the line, I think once we get to the trade deadline, they're going to see how their team shakes out. They're going to see how they're playing. But I think they're going to be inclined to maybe move like Alec Baum or maybe a Reese Hoskins. Like I think they're just... Too many guys playing the same positions. Eventually, you probably want to put Schwarber or Cassianos at DH full-time. I don't think Mm -hmm. you want so many of those players to be on the diamond playing defense because they're going to have a lot of average to below average defenders around the diamond. So I think down the line, they're going to eventually make a move, maybe try to add to that bullpen because that's been a big area of weakness for that team the last couple of years. It's just... Really hasn't been very good. Hopefully, Aaron Ola can get back to. It's been awful. awful. So, Aaron Ola can get back to his form, what he was, you know, in 2020 and 2019, with the way Zach Wheeler has emerged for them the last couple years. I think that lineup is going to put up runs, like you said. So, with the front, with that, with those two frontline starters with this lineup, I think this team could be really good. Maybe move Alec Baum or Reese Hoskins for a couple of relievers. I think this Phillies team could be set up to compete in that division, but. I, I still like the Braves and probably the Mets ahead of them right now. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think they'll be a fun team. Uh, you talk about a team that certain, and I've brought this up several times before. 
The Marlins have pitchers, some very good pitchers, led mm-hmm. by Sandy Alcantara and Trevor Rogers. If they have a healthy Pablo Lopez, they suddenly Pablo. have three. You know, they could they could have as many as, uh, you know, if uh, Luzardo pitches well. I mean, they they have as could have as many as three or four excellent starting pitchers on their team. Um, the fact of the matter is, is their their lineup is awful, and I've been saying, yeah, you know, they should just sign as many okay hitters as possible that the more major leaguers you have in that lineup, the better they'll be. Even if they're not great, just, just an okay major leaguer with that pitching staff could, you know, put them in the low eighties in the win total, which might be enough with an expanded playoffs. Uh, I, the signing of Jorge Soler is exactly the type of move that obviously was the type of moves the Braves made when they their outfield was decimated in last year. And it's uh, safe to say that Soler, who was having a crummy season for mm-hmm. Kansas City when they, they brought him over, but they put a major leaguer in there. Next thing you know, they got a World Series MVP for their troubles. Uh, putting in a 30-year-old former home run king coming off of a World Series MVP uh, in a lineup that you know is going to pitch – uh, I would like to see the Marlins make more moves like this because I think it could help the team. Yeah, I listened to this one basketball podcast host named Chris Vernon, and his philosophy when building teams is always don't play guys that suck. And Jorge Soler, he doesn't suck. I'm not saying he's a star or a superstar, but he's a above average every, everyday major leaguer like we saw in the World Series where he carried that team or at least was a huge part to winning the World Series this past season for the Atlanta Braves. So it's not a move that's going to, you know, move the needle for them and, you know, add an extra 15 wins to that team next season. But he's a good quality major leaguer, and they just don't have enough of those in their starting lineup right now. They probably should have kept uh, Adam Duvall in their lineup. Like, they had a, you know, a whole bunch of interesting names in their lineup that they just kind of let go and traded the last couple years. So the Marlins, like you said, their rotation is really nice. It's really good. It's really young. It's a rotation that can't be good enough to – you know, be in a in a playoff scenario, in a playoff Absolutely. spot. And, and just the rest of their team that they have to get together. So Jorge Soler is a step in the right direction, but they still have so many holes in their lineup. Like, I, I'm not anywhere close to saying they're ready to compete just yet. Well, I don't think they're uh, – the w- here's where they could be ready to compete. If the Mets – and I said this on Baseball PhD over the weekend, the Mets are banking on a healthy Schwab uh, – not Schwarber, a Scherzer – yeah. And a healthy DeGrom. Uh, Scherzer is not young. Old. Old. Uh, DeGrom has had health issues. If those two, if those two players fall off the, the, off the proverbial cliff, um, and we've seen teams that look like surefire contenders fall apart. There have been a couple of years where it looked like the Nationals were the team to beat, and then injuries you know, take their toll. Yeah, we've seen that with uh, several things. It happened with the Red Sox coming off of the World Series championship in 2018. The next year, they fell off a cliff. They wound up having a winning season, but they were not contenders by the end. It happens sometimes over 162 games. And that's why I say if they put a major leaguer at each position, you could be that team that takes advantage of the misfortune of another team and give it a go. And that's why I think it's so important 
for a team like the Marlins who have the young pitching. It's like they've done the hard part. They have the young pitching. So if you, I'm, I, you, I'm not even saying bring in, um, you know, Correa or bring in Freddie Freeman. I'm just saying go around and find the likes of – go see who's left. Go yeah. see who's left and sort of put an average player at each position and you're going to see. And, and that sort of tinkering with that team – uh, could be enough to put them in a, in in a position to to take advantage of a team's misfortune, and that sort of fine tuning and tinkering with the engine of the Marlins could be the very thing that gives them a little bit of hope this year. Kind of like when you tinker with your car. If you're going to do that, go to RockAuto.com. You know, with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating question and wait for the person behind the counter? Just go ticky-tap on their computer and just order the stuff they were going to order anyway. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money when using Rock Auto, which is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need are at rockauto.com. All right, we're here with Miller Thomas. It is a crossover, locked on MLB Monday here. Hey, there's something I want to talk about here because we covered, you know, you and I didn't talk about, but the the twins signed Correa. Mm-hmm. And now I think up the middle, they're as good as any team in baseball defensively. And I was saying how the likes of a Correa, who knows how to deal with adversity and everything like that, some self-inflicted adversity, but still um, might be the ideal kind of teammate for someone like Gary Sanchez, who needs a change of scenery, who needs to have that pressure taken off. Uh, say, hey, we put away your catcher's gear. You just need your bat. We don't need to be the superstar. Just relax and enjoy your time in Minnesota. They're nice here. It, that's like acquiring two players. You know, that's like acquiring, you know, you're going to have a bunch of good quality players and teammates for someone like Gary Sanchez that could really help the Twins. What I want to talk about is what the loss of Correa and the fact that there's no Story or Seeger or Simeon or Baez, none of those players are now playing in Houston. And mm-hmm. we're going to see exactly how valuable Correa was for that team, that you're removing him and barring a giant trade. They aren't going to have a big major leaguer in his place. Uh, I think the effects of this Jenga piece that was removed from the Houston Astros is going to be bigger than just his stats at this point. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, sure. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, story. Correa is definitely, you know, a star level shortstop, no doubt about it. But I mean, at the end of the day, the Astros lineup is still pretty damn good without him. I'm just looking at it in baseball reference. I mean, you're still going to have Altuve, Bregman, Kyle Tucker has really emerged, Jordan Alvarez. Like, you're still going to have four to five, like, all star level plus uh, at bats in your lineup. So his presence is definitely going to be missed, no doubt about it. He's one of the best, you know, offensive shortstops, defensive shortstops in the game. But the Astros have been really good at developing pieces. They've been really good at drafting players. So I'm actually kind of in on the Astros still being relevant and being good because 
so far, I mean, they haven't given me a lot of reason not to think that. Like, they lost George Springer, too, we forget, just last offseason, and we thought that was mm-hmm. going to be a major hole in their lineup. And then we see some other players like Kyle Tucker, you know, step in and have an all-star level season. So I think the Astros are just really good at finding dudes and replacing pieces in their lineup. So I'm not really too worried about them just yet. Like, I know everyone wants to hate on them, and – Everyone wants to see their downfall because they never got their comeuppance for cheating in the World Series or whatever. But right now, it seemed like I, I still would expect them to be a pretty competitive team in the AL next season and might even be able to make it to another, you know, have another World Series run in them. I'm going to see. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm honest. I think that there's he seemed to embrace his role as the leader of the team and seemed to deflect a lot. Altuve doesn't strike me as a guy who would be able to um, deflect some of the negativity. I know some people we know, like H Town at uh, Lockdown Astros, well, wants us to all move on from the cheating scandal. <laughs> yeah. As I keep pointing out from him, the fan base that benefited from the cheating scandal can't tell other fan bases it's time to move on. You know, it's not like, honey, yeah. honey, yeah, you've got to move on from me cheating on you. In fact, <laughs> you haven't even liked the pictures on Instagram I posted of the two of us. What's the matter? Hasn't enough time passed? You know, it's not. No, Astros fans can't tell other people to move on. Um, I, I've I think that, uh, it, you know, it's just it's a strange situation where Correa was the one seemed to be the linchpin of everything of absorbing a lot of the negativity, being the person who knew exactly who he was on that team and what he meant to that community. I'm still stunned that he's not an Astro. I'm just stunned uh, that the Astros let him go. I know there's other players coming up through the farm system, but why couldn't the Astros have worked out a deal like he got with Minnesota? It just makes absolutely no sense to me. And we're going to see. Now, I could be wrong. And you have seen situations where a big player has been removed and the team responds. The, the, the Nationals lost Bryce Harper to free agency. They won the World Series the next year. They got off to a lousy start, but they turned it around and got to the World Series. Last year, the Braves lost Ronald Acuna Jr. to injury. Again, they, they stumbled and bumbled, but they righted the ship and they wound up winning the World Series. It happens. We see the, we've seen examples of this. But... We've also seen a lot of examples of a team losing a key player and not recovering and falling apart down the stretch. So um, we're going to see what happens. Uh, you know, we are, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find out what kind of leaders Guriel and Altuve and Bregman are. And, you know, if, we're, if, we're, if they are going to be the guys on that team or Alvarez – if they're going to be the leaders of that team, we're going to have to start to see it now because, you know, Correa, who's only 27, has been the leader of that squad in so many ways. And yeah. I also, I'm I'm a little skeptical. I was skeptical last year of their starting pitching, and I was proven wrong. Uh, but it looks like McCullers Jr. looks like he's hurt. Uh, Granke is signed elsewhere. So they are going to rely a lot on the Framber Valdez's and some of the other Verlander. players to, and you know they're they're hoping Verlander comes back, um, but you know he wasn't there last year, so you know we're going to see we're going to see Verlander's not a spring chicken either, yeah. So yeah, I mean he's like forty years old or whatever. And the Mariners have improved themselves. 
know, the Mariners oh, yeah. were a 90 win team last year. The Mariners have filled a bunch of their holes. Oh, Mariners did a lot. I mean, they've added the Cy Young Award winner and another All Star, you know, MVP candidate Jesse Winker. So I like what the Mariners are doing. Isn't it odd that with an expanded playoff in a division where one of the teams is clearly waving the white flag with the A's, the Rangers, even though they made a couple of big acquisitions, are still in transition. Yeah, there's and bad. the the Astros have lost a critical player and maybe a little wobbly. And as I said, and we've added to free, we've added uh, postseason teams. Still, the Angels are a long shot at best to play in October. With all of that, Otani and Trout are probably going to be playing golf in October. It it will never cease to amaze me that all this seems to be designed to get Trout and Otani in the postseason. And you still look at them going, I don't know. 78 wins, maybe. Yeah, it's so sad because I harp on it a lot. Like, as good as Trout's numbers are, his career leaves me a little cold just because he's just never in the postseason. And it's just sad to see. He's got the one postseason run. Like we say, it's not like all his fault. It's not, you know, the organization has been a terrible job at building pitching. But it's just sad to see that one of the greatest players that we've ever seen just never gets to perform on the biggest stage. And we really get to see what the guys are made out of because the playoffs are a different animal. They, they apply a different pressure. Like Kershaw is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. But if you look at his postseason, the postseason numbers, it tells a different story. So Mike Trout, I don't know what kind of postseason player he is just because we've just never seen it. I mean, none of it's his fault, in my yeah. humble opinion. I mean, none of it's his fault. If year in and year out, you lead the league in OPS, you lead the league in, in total bases, you lead the league in this and that. I mean, what else is he supposed to do? You know, I mean, he was starting off last year. He was going to have the best season of his career. In 36 games, his OPS was over 1,000. He already had 18 home runs in 36 games. That's getting a home run every other game. That at that rate, and you know, and then oh no, he didn't get. I'm sorry, he had eight home runs. I'm sorry, I was looking at the. Uh, I'm sorry, I looked at the uh, his RBI total. But either way, eight home runs in 36 games, no small slouching either. Um, it's none of his fault. He just, you know, the Angels have had a decade to put mediocrity around him. And uh, you know, if yeah, war to- isn't. If war is indeed wins above replacement, if you put a mediocre team around him, then that's 87, 88 wins every year. Yeah, so, they had, they're so bad at their job that they have to get a player to do two jobs, both yeah. bat and pitch for them. That's how bad and desperate they are. They said, hey, we need someone that could do both. Yeah. Yeah. How many times can they have the most valuable player in the league and still have, and you know, and, and, and as I've said before, the Angels do not – it's not a small revenue franchise. they got a huge media package. Their, their attendance is very high. Um, you know, they're, they're a very popular team. And nope, nope, can't do And, it. like, is there a scenario where, like, the MVP award doesn't lead that team, like, the next five years if Otani and Mike Trout is healthy? Like, no, nope. those two are going to be at the top of the MVP rankings, like, every season. Like, we might not see the MVP award leave that team. Yeah, and and seeing that Trout signed a huge contract. Trout is something I love about Trout. Is Trout wants to be the greatest angel of all time. You know, mm-hmm. He wants to win. He doesn't want to to be an interloper and you know sign with you know win his title with another team. He wants to lead the Angels to a title. And he like he scours the minor leagues. He wants to know who's coming up. 
this is going to be his 11th full season with the Angels. I mean, we forget that because he still feels like he's relatively new. He's already been there a decade. A decade. Yeah, they've been handed this, this player forged on Mount Olympus. And still, this is what this is what they're getting for their troubles. Now, just in terms of uh, I'm I, you know, I, I'm not one to lean heavily on war as a stat, but just no. as a shorthand, you know, just as a shorthand, the player with the highest career war in the history of the Angels, whether it's the Los Angeles, California, Anaheim, or Los Angeles of Anaheim, do you know is the highest war career wise? Of this team that's existed since 1961, guess Mike Trout. Mike Trout, mm-hmm. and it's not even close. I would assume so. He's already at 76. The next one is Chuck Finley with 51. So you know, if you go down the list of the the uh, the all time leaders in you know in almost every category in the history of the Angels, you know it's. <laughs> Uh, if you like war and things like that, it's trout, trout, trout. You like slugging on bases, trout, trout, trout. Uh, <laughs> it's home runs. You like trout, 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 trout. More trout. Adjusted batting wins, trout. Runs great, trout. On base plus slugging, trout. You know all the go go down the line. It's he with the you know the only other name that pops up would be Garrett Anderson, and uh, guess who's breathing right down his neck. I, I don't even know. I don't even have a guess. Trout? So be Mr. Trout. Oh, okay. And um, so he's you know, if he wants to wonder, am I the greatest angel of all time? The answer is yes now. <laughs> now. Let me put it this way. Um, Hall of Famer Vladdy Guerrero wore number 27. They're not going to retire number 27 for Vladdy. They're going to, because Trout's wearing that. It should be already retired at this yeah. point. But uh, I, look, I'm not an Angels fan. I just want to see him play in October. That's all you I know, want to see. I mean, Griffey never played in the World Series either, and that's heartbreaking. But he at least had a signature postseason highlight, which is him rounding third and sliding in to clinch that series against the Yankees in 1995. If you're thinking about him, you know, when he made his first postseason appearance, he hit five home runs in five games. <laughs> and then scored the winning run from first in extra innings. At least we had that. Yeah, I'm not asking for a World Series ring from Trout. I just need something. I just want to see a moment. I just want to see a playoff series win. I want to see him get out the first round. I just want to see something from him in his postseason career because otherwise I think I'm going to be left a little disappointed. Do you want Do you know what you want to see from Trout? You want to see his Jorge Soler moment. Oh, Jorge Soler has two rings, okay? And one with the Cubbies, mm-hmm. but uh, last year playing his half season with Atlanta, where he wound up hitting three home runs, including a leadoff home run in game one of the World Series. Uh, you know, he finished with an OPS over of 1.191, three home runs and six runs bad in, in the six World Series games. Um, mind you, in the, he also had a massive postseason 2015 for the Cubs where he hit uh two home runs in the series against the Cardinals and then batted 417 with an OPS so his OPS against St. Louis in that series was 2.341 that's not bad mm. he's had you know he's had a bunch of those highlights so let's give Mike a few of those come on 
He's yeah. a big time playoff performer. We got to yeah. take that into consideration when evaluating yeah. these players and want to sign them. Like, what are you going to do for me in the postseason? That matters. Well, let's get Mike Trout. Let's see what happens. Let's get that. Let's not have him flop on the dock. Well, here's someone who's not going to flop on the dock. It's my buddy uh, Miller Thomas, all the way from New Jersey to Arizona. Hey, hey Miller. That's me. Uh, this, this is our Monday crossover. By the time we publish this, we're going to find out that Mike Trout was dealt to the Marlins. <gasps> Went up here, he'd be a fish on the Marlins. Louis Brinson? Uh, yeah, for Louis Brinson, exactly. Good Lord. Hey, Miller, where can people follow you? Hey, at Creator Thomas 24 for my personal account. Or as I always say, just go to that search bar and type in Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm sure you can find the podcast handle. Well, you can, if you're watching us on YouTube, you see right hey. there. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And follow the show at Lockdown MLB Podcast, uh, Lockdown MLB Pods on both uh, Instagram and on, I was going to say uh, MySpace. What was it? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Hey, well, let's do a fist bump. Hey, let's do a hey. fist bump. Okay, let's do a little Whoa. fist bump. Wonder Twin Powers, activate. Harry Knuckles, right to the camera. This has been a Lockdown Harry Knuckles crossover between Miller Thomas, creator Thomas24. <laughs> And me, Paul Francis Sullivan. Call me Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball. This is for the 21st day of March. Happy spring, everybody. Winter is over. Baseball is upon us. You can call me Sully.